Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the Netflix show The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and the Gimlet podcast The Horror of Dolores Roach. Caroline has also watched the Netflix show Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We're back down in the podcasting mines. <laughs> Caroline, yes. you've been doing a lot of podcast work in the last week. Not, not. I mean, you always do, but especially this week, I feel. Yes, I got my own podcast. I mean, I already have my own <laughs> podcast in this one, but I mean one that is literally just me. It doesn't even involve Anna. I love that you say you got it, like it arrived at your door the, with the no, store. I made it. I made it happen. <laughs> it's been months of hard work. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm very excited about it. It's all about murder mysteries by people like Agatha Christie and Dorothy L. Sayers and Josephine Tay and Naya Marsh. And it's just been so much fun, like reading and researching and talking to people all about this. And there are actually in the trailer, there are some seriously listeners because I sort of vaguely trailed it a few weeks ago saying that I wanted people to help me out. And some amazing seriously listeners got in touch and you can hear their voices in the trailer. So, yeah, if you do want to listen and I would love it if you would, because I don't want to have just done all this work and then nobody hear it. Um, <laughs> it's called She Done It and it's available on all the places where podcasts are, you know, Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and all that kind of thing. But you can also get it from shedoneitshow.com that has links. So that's she done it, S-H-E-D-U-N-N-I-T. That is it. Well done, Anna. I love this so much. I mean, I'm such a big kind of murder mystery fan as we've talked about a lot on the podcast. I feel like you're a more literary murder mystery fan than me and that you read all the like original novels, whereas I'm just sat watching Morse repeats <laughs> on my sofa in oh, my Oh no, pants. I do that too. I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm so excited. And I think so many of these um, writers have such interesting stories, like personal stories as well. So I can't, I can't wait to listen to She Done It. Yeah, there's a all the writers have amazing personal stories, and then also, so like by the time people hear this, the first episodes will be out, and it's all about how after the First World War there was what everybody called a generation of surplus women because so many men died in the First World War, and from that you get spinster characters like Miss Marple and Miss Lemon and Miss Clemson. So I'm sort of trying to like give you a bit of the historical context, but also talk about murder mysteries as well. Totally. Oh, 
It's just the perfect, perfect Caroline project. I'm so excited to listen. Can't wait. <laughs> so continuing with a sort of vaguely creepy theme, the first thing we're going to talk about this week is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a Netflix TV show which is based on a 2014 Archie comic book series, also called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It stars Kernan Shipka as Sabrina Spellman, a 16-year-old half-witch, half-mortal, who must navigate both her entry into the dark world of witchcraft and her teen problems with boys. So that 2014 comic is is loosely based on another Archie comic from the 1960s called Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which a lot of you will know because it then became the 1990s TV show starring Melissa Joan Hart as Sabrina. But this is slightly different in in tone and vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like darker, creepier, and it also has some of the, the, the teen drama elements are more like Riverdale. And it's from the same yes. makers as Riverdale, right? And the very first episode, I think, or one of the episodes even has an allusion to Riverdale, doesn't it? That um, when the the weird sister, older, cool girl witches that Sabrina summons to help get vengeance on some boys, um, one of them's like, oh, we haven't seen you around here. Do you go to a different school? Do you, do you go to Riverdale? So there's just like a very slight crossover hint there. Um, yeah, totally. And Riverdale is obviously also based on an Archie comic. Yes. So it's all it's all interrelated. I believe there's crossover in the comics as well, actually, although I've not read them. I have right. read that. And so aesthetically, they're very much in unison mm-hmm. um, and in tone. Um, so, yeah, the first episode starts off with Sabrina. Um, I feel like the first thing we see, she goes to the movies. Yes. Um, she's on a date with Harvey, her puppy dog eyed boyfriend. And then, um, you know, they share a romantic moment on the way home from the movies and she kind of does a sort of little almost Beetlejuice-esque dance in her haunted mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're really kind of thrown into the idea of like, okay, cool, which teenagers put them together. This is what this show is going to be about. Um, And so far, I quite like it. It's it's definitely trying to do something different with that Sabrina story if you're if you're going into it thinking it's going to be like the 1990s Sabrina then like it's just it's not at all no it I mean about the only things it has in common are like the character names and the fact that she's a young witch um because she does indeed have aunts Hilda and Zelda but they're not like lovable older woman sitcom characters yeah this is not a sitcom i think no. importantly like it's just a different genre full stop let alone like a different it's tone like a and... gothic horror almost i think that's what they're going for yeah definitely um and it's it's more of a sort of drama with comedy elements um which i feel like is kind of the dominant mode mm-hmm. at the moment um for kind of tv shows aimed at young people Um, it's definitely the kind of thing that I would have really liked when I was a bit younger. Like when I was a teenager, I would have really loved a series like this that, because it's, it's kind of got that twin peaksy aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and like, I think I just would have really wanted to get into the world of it a lot. I think I agree with you and I very much associate it with my teenage love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. Because it's got a, it's got a lot of similarities, you know, the young teen cast, the fact that you've got a central young woman character who is both dealing with a kind of supernatural role in her life and then also her high school problems. Um, even the, so the town of Greendale, where this is all set, is very similar to um, Buffy's uh, 
Sunnydale in lots of ways. Sunnydale was famously like built over the Hellmouth, and that's the explanation for why there are so many demons mm-hmm. and vampires and stuff. And Greendale is there are these mines, mysterious mines where maybe the devil lives. You know, there's there's a kind of landscape place reason. Yeah. For all like of a this. natural or supernatural and historic yeah. kind of underpinning to the area. All these dales, mm-hmm. Sunnydale, Riverdale. I know. I wondered if it was an illusion, but I'm sure it's just called that in the comics as well. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that was a very strong similarity in which I really like in this show is the sort of brand of magic and witchcraft. Because in Buffy, Buffy's friend Willow later turns out to be a witch. And the kind of magic in Buffy is very much like candles and incantations Mm -hmm. and like people's pupils suddenly blowing out to be all black when they're doing spells and stuff like that. And I feel this is aesthetically very similar. It's not Harry Potter magic. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it's deal with the devil type magic. And it's not bewitched, twitch of the no, nose God magic. No. It's it's like the kind of magic you have to work for and the kind of like that weirdly, I want to say like pagan. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And those kind of like, um, yeah, pagan aesthetic vibes that come with it. Um, mm. Yeah, I really, I, I agree that that's a really fun element of the show. The, the way that it kind of immerses you in the idea that she's like, because she's a teenage witch as well, like trying stuff out and trying to learn how to do spells. And, you know, obviously in a plot context, that works really well because it enables things to go wrong quite regularly. But also it's just kind of engaging and accessible and like just, yeah, it's a a really fun little element of their magical world. Yes. And then also I like the fact that they've taken her sort of teenage impetuousness and shown it in both realms that she inhabits so you get it in the way that she reacts to her teachers at school and when she's you know she's so quick to be like that's not fair we must campaign against this injustice Mm -hmm. when it's like you know her friend wants to write an essay on a book and the principal won't let her because it's like a naughty book or something mm-hmm. um but then at the same time she's also like no I will not sign my name in the devil's book I will not be owned by anybody I renounce this and I run away you know, the two are the same even though obviously the scenarios are very very different totally I like that element of her character that she is this kind of like sparky bookish principled opinionated teenager um, I feel like we do, you know, we see a lot of those characters in teen fiction, but it, they're really strong and they work for a reason. Um, and yeah, there is kind of a, a note of like wokeness in this series mm-hmm, where yeah. there's a lot of kind of like, yeah, allusions to the idea that she might not be comfortable being a witch in the w- ways that her aunts have been because she's like a feminist and the idea that she doesn't want to become a witch before she's been able to sort out the structural patriarchal oppression (laughs) at her school (laughs) and like sometimes that feels a little bit like I mean everything that Netflix and other tv shows make for young people at the moment seems to have an edge of that because young people are incredibly politically engaged especially right now so I understand. And sometimes it works for me and sometimes I'm like, ooh, bit on the nose. Yeah, same. Um, but I like that it's kind of part of her character more generally. It's just when there's sometimes there are like little plot points that where I'm like, okay, yeah, we get we get the point. Yes, that's true. I, I mind it more in some episodes than others. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do really like in 
this and that I didn't really clock on to for the first couple of episodes. For the first two, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. This, mm. But I've now, I think I've watched five now and it's sort of settled, I've settled in with it. And I didn't understand initially that you're not supposed to take it entirely seriously. Yeah. That there is a kind of like Adam's family values campness to it. And it wasn't until the courtroom scene, I think in, is it episode three? Right. Um, when like the the devil's high priest is prosecuting Sabrina for breach of promise for not signing her name in the devil's book. And it's like this very dramatic courtroom scene with a lawyer who's done a deal with the devil himself and all of this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, right, I see. This is meant to be silly. Yeah, yeah, so silly. <laughs> and after that, I felt much better about it. It made a lot more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with Riverdale. Like if, if you go into Riverdale being like, wait, are they really saying that? Is this how real people <laughs> like, obviously, you're just going to completely get frustrated and lose faith in it because it it's camp and it's hyper ridiculous. So yeah, it's great. It's a perfect kind of like autumnal yes. treat as well, the, isn't it? The aesthetics of it are incredible, like the costumes and the atmosphere and the setting and some of the like smaller parts like Michelle Gomez as this sort of like good teacher who's been in, uh, taken over by a bad witch yeah. in her body and stuff. It's, she's absolutely amazing. That's a and, signal that it's silly when, when the yeah, like mousy yeah. teacher starts behaving in this like completely seductive, crazy way because she's yes. possessed and all the characters are like, oh, hi, have you cut your hair? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the thing I'm less sure about is I've seen some takes of varying quality about you know what does the chilling adventures of sabrina tell us about like the role of the witch in popular culture mm. uh you know th there was a piece i read that compared sabrina to hermione and was like you know hermione was harry's sidekick whereas sabrina is the star of the show this shows how far we've come blah 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 and I'm like i'm really not sure that this is like a landmark <laughs> yeah. on the way anywhere i think it's maybe just a fun silly teen supernatural show which representation matters? Yeah, well, I, I'm kind of on board with that as an idea because I do think that, like, as a trope, which as a sort of female stereotype is really interesting and the way it gets handled is perhaps sometimes indicative. But I'm just not sure that this is that. Um, uh, if you want to yeah. read some good witch representation, go and read Lolly Willows, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Lolly Willows by Sylvia Townsend Warner is an amazing book in this Which vein. we talked about, I think, on Seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we time. did, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And it has a lot of parallels with this. And it made me think so strongly of the very end of Lolly Willows where she has the conversation with the devil. Yeah. And he explains his justification for like why do women want to do this deal with him to be witches and he's basically like they just want to be left alone yeah like the good side of the world just harangues them and like is constantly trying to make them do things and like oppressing them whereas I just you know they sign up with me and then I just leave them alone <laughs> um which I just think is still so true even though that book was written in the 1920s yeah oh classic Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The next thing we're going to talk about is The Horror of Dolores Roach, which is a scripted podcast from Gimlet Media. It's written by Erin Mark and it stars Daphne Rubin Vega as Dolores. It follows the character's fortunes as she's released from prison after 16 years and returns to a much changed New York City to discover almost everything from her old life has disappeared. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a um, a kind of like central character and voice focused podcast because it's mm-hmm. all yes. narrated by that central character and she has such like immediately in the first five seconds I was like oh whoa is this overacting and then almost immediately got into it yeah same it's a very charismatic yeah completely it really 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 draws you in um and it feels it feels both exaggerated and quite naturalistic at the same time which is really good um and yeah in the first episode basically we meet Dolores Roach and she's just come out of prison she's been in prison for 16 years and she um yeah, it's trying to, as you say, trying to get her life back on track. And in that first episode, she just seems pretty likable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all seems to be going well. I enjoyed aspects of the first episode completely aside from, you know, the expectation that it was going to turn out spooky because it's called The Horror of Dolores Roach and it's very much presented Horror. as like a Halloween launch for a spooky mm-hmm. podcast. I enjoyed the like the sort of almost social commentary aspect of it where, you know, she's a black woman who's been in prison, um, who used to live in this neighbourhood, I think in Washington Heights, um, right up in the north end of um, Manhattan in New York City. And, you know, she gets out of prison. She doesn't really have anywhere to go. She gets the tray. She finds herself just retracing her steps to her old apartment. Apart from like, there's a Starbucks there now and the laundromat has a neon sign and there's like some white woman who lives in her apartment. So it's all about gentrification and like how traditional communities have been like priced out of their own city. And totally. All this and stuff. just the idea and, that like you could be essentially a non-violent first time offender, go to prison for 16 years and then mm. like be released 16 years later with $200 and nothing else and like nowhere to go and obviously it's so much harder to get a job once you're out been in prison Mm -hmm. like there's just nothing for her she's just completely like immediately homeless and broke (laughs) and it's like great what there's got to be something more for her here and there's not yeah so she she goes back to her apartment maybe where she's lived with her boyfriend maybe thinking that 
perhaps he's still there but he's not obviously and then she even um gets the current occupant to let her go in the bathroom so she can like check behind the tile where they used to keep their secret stash of cash thinking that maybe it's still there but it's not um so she's just completely unmoored from anything um and then finally she finds this restaurant that she used to go to which is still there and the person who runs it is still the same person he still remembers her he's really happy to see her and he kind of gives her a little place yeah, in the world he gives he her a lifeline essentially and that's basically yeah. as far as the first episode really goes and i yeah i was expecting something scarier in that first episode i feel like it doesn't it doesn't um necessarily hook you from the off with its um like horror elements it kind of just gives you a an a kind of character who's essentially quite normal and likable and i guess the thing that keeps you listening is like well how did she become this you know in the first few minutes she says oh you know people say i'm dangerous you know so you've got you've got mm, yeah. that to go off and it's like okay well how do we get from here to there but apart from that it doesn't really like give you much to kind of be like oh wow it's not like a lot of the um true crime podcasts and 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 scripted podcasts that we listen to really hit you with something every episode that's like okay we need to know how that happened or we need to know it's yes. not it's not teasing you with those elements as much i don't think no and that i find that really interesting the decision to do that because I do think a more obvious choice would be to borrow a structure from maybe from something like the night of, yeah, you know, so like show you the yeah. ending and then and like the horrible goriness and then go back and trace the steps of how things yeah. arrived there. That's the normal yeah. way. Isn't and it? let you right? know who's With dead and thing. when and what the body count yeah. is. Whereas I find this to be a bit more like big little lies almost mm, in structure. You know, something. in that you sort of, you know that something bad is going to happen. It's called the horror of Dolores Roach. And as you say, she's flagged up early on that maybe she's not the sort of lovely, bewildered woman that you presume her to be. But you're just like constantly on tenterhooks waiting for the bad thing. Yeah, bit. though I have to say Big Little Lies has just got some really kind of like mic drops of lines in that first episode. Like that woman who goes, so are we seriously using the word murder? like stuff like that yeah like, i suppose it's Ooh. different because they intercut yeah that, and they don't they don't do that in. really yeah. here no it's so far from what i've listened to mm -hmm. it's linear so um, i could do, i could do with more of that but i'm excited to, to kind of keep listening and see where it goes because yeah we having only listened to the beginning we don't we don't know which mm. way it's going to go no i think i'm impressed though i also was very pleasantly surprised like I think we've talked a bit about this before but one of the issues I sometimes have with audio drama podcasts particularly is that they're quite overproduced like mm. there's a lot of mm. sound effects mm. and as you say like often overacting and almost in that like classic BBC Radio 4 drama <laughs> way when people are like I don't know um you say she's drowned yeah. Yeah. that kind of <laughs> yeah. voice thing whereas although there is a lot of acting going on in this. Uh, somehow it just, it like, it hit me a lot better. It was much less. And there's just a lot less of like, I opened the door, yeah. noise of there's door There's a opening. bit of like overproduction. If you if you want to locate a point of overproduction, it's in the first five minutes where there's like this kind of creepy music that rises and falls and mm. like, you know, that it, you know, almost like I would call it the cold open sort of part, which it, it, yeah. it's not because it's not like then there's a standard theme tune and whatever, but it just 
I would call it the cold open. Then as it go, as she just narrates the the po- point from which she's got out of prison to the end of the episode is, yeah, really good. It's not it's not overdone. There's a few different voices and stuff in there, but it doesn't feel over the top. It's not like there's loads of um, you know noises of the rapers being cooked in the pans and like. <laughs> No, which is which is reassuring. Because actually. she's narrating I'm, it, so conference... it wouldn't really make sense. It's not it's not a play no. in the in the sense of like, okay, she's walked into the room and you know, it's not a real time dialogue structure. It's it's a lot of her retrospectively narrating what, what is happening. So I think it would just feel a bit jarring if it was And yet people yeah, do that yeah. in those kind of structures yeah. all the time. Um I went to this really interesting um session at this podcast conference I went to in Chicago a few weeks ago about this done by someone who he makes the Paris Review podcast where they record short stories with actors and then put that out as a podcast and he played like two versions of the same thing and he was like this is my first version that I did of this story which is sort of about like a a man who's hitchhiking like thinking back to his own birth and like re-examining his life and he'd done it with it was really clever but lots of like heartbeats layered behind it and like baby's baby's cries and noises of rain and cars going past and all of this kind of thing he's like that was my first version then I played it to my colleagues and they were all like no John no (laughs) too much and he's like and this is the final version that actually went out and he plays it and all you can hear is a very faint sound of Mm -hmm. rain behind the person Mm -hmm. talking that is it and I I found that so interesting that he'd gone so heavily into like directly translating every single hit hint of physicality into sound and then he was like actually no I don't need to do that because it's there in the words yeah that's really interesting and yeah often less is more with stuff like this isn't it and I think that that, yeah it's a really classy production So last week, I told Caroline to check out Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat on Netflix, uh, which is a cooking show. Uh, Caroline, you had the book already, of which it is based, of the same name. Yes, I I own the recipe book and really like By it. By Samin Nosrat. And this is her show. And she, you know, fronts it. And she goes to different countries talking about those four elements, which to her are like the the fundamental things that make food delicious salt fat acid and heat and that transform ingredients in the process of cooking so what did you make of salt fat acid heat i think it's amazing it's definitely the best cooking show i've watched in a very Mm. long time possibly also one of the best documentary style things i've watched in a long time as well just in general uh she is so good at being on Mm. camera and making you feel at ease and introducing other people without making it seem stilted even though obviously all of her interviews and stuff are set up in advance she isn't just randomly encountering people in an olive grove and then talking to them but it does feel like that sometimes yeah and I think I read an interview with her where she was like oh yeah my friends were like oh my god you're you on tv and she was like well what did you expect (laughs) me to be and she was like I don't know I thought you'd be like a bit different a bit more tv but you're just you and she's like no yeah Mm. I don't know how to be anyone else (laughs) and even just stuff like when she's tasting food which she does on camera a lot she makes these amazing faces um you know, like someone's like, hmm, try this like pancetta that I've just cooked. And she puts it in her mouth and she she goes almost cross-eyed with like, oh, yeah. and it's yeah. just really delightful. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great. And she, it's kind of, I like it a lot because it's kind of between two genres where obviously it's it's much more cinematic and like beautifully made than a lot of kind of mm-hmm. like 
BBC Two, uh, Jamie Does Italy programs. That's the Netflix money, yeah, I exactly. Think. So the higher production quality means that you get to look at her hands like massaging focaccia while it's all bathed in oil, and like it just be, <laughs> it looks way more beautiful than it would normally. But equally, it's not quite in the um in the zone. It's not it, like it's not so pretentious. It remains accessible, and it does feel a little bit more like how to do it yourself at home than some other cooking programs that are on Netflix. Like Ugly mm. Delicious and things like that are really beautifully made and have all that high production quality stuff, but it's not really about then going home and learning how to cook something. It's very much about it just admiring the amazing complexity of different cu- cuisines. Whereas what I like about this one is it's all about simplicity. Um, so it's got kind of got a mix. It kind of falls between two genres for me, and I think that's where a lot of its strength lies. I agree, yeah. And that approachability and accessibility is something that I found about her book as well, because she's not doing that deliberate, like fifteen-minute meals type simplification thing at all. She's saying like, food is complex. You get better at it the more you do it. And here are the prince guiding principles that I have found that helped me get better at it. So she's sort of, it feels like she's talking to you like an adult, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. She's not sort of making it childishly simple for you. Um, and she's also sort of saying, you know, try this a few times, your bread will be better each time yeah. type thing. Um, but she's also saying, this is totally obtainable. And yeah, this is how you're going to do it. I, you know? I don't know about the book, but on the show, at least, the the foods the recipes are not like okay this is how you make a seven hour stew or like this is how you make a ramen that involves like all these different um you know sauces that you make by hand and Mm. like all these different prepared meats it's like this is these are the four ingredients you need to make pesto like it's very it's very basic stuff and or but it's all about the texture and the love as well, isn't it? It's like, let's let's hand grind our pesto in a pestle and mortar. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, oh, the sound it makes is yeah. awesome. You know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's that kind and of let's thing zoom as well. In it's on like this appreciating Italian, every stage. Yeah, zooming yeah. in on this Italian nonna who's like, they never use the pestle and mortar anymore. And you're like, oh, <laughs> my children, why do they not use it? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I also love in the first episode how pretty much all of it is in Italian. Like yeah, she, she just speaks talks Italian. to... Italian people in Italian and it's all with subtitles and you're just again it's that whole thing of like feeling like you're being treated like a grown-up you're not being like infantilized like some cooking shows do yeah it's sort of assumed that you can keep up and I quite like that feeling completely yeah so check it out everyone it's on Netflix salt fat acid heat it's great make sure you've got some cheese to eat while you're watching (laughs) it it's very important (laughs) because otherwise you will be starving (laughs) so for next week I thought maybe we'd try the new Robin album, which is called Honey. Yay. I've been living under a rock, so I still haven't heard the Robin album, even though pretty much everyone I know has been obsessing about it for the last two weeks. Have you heard it yet? No, me neither. I haven't heard it either, but I've similarly like seen a lot of people that whose taste I trust talking about how much they like it. Um, friend of the show, Laura Snapes, has this amazing long read piece out, which I still haven't read because I'm saving it until I've listened to the album, about how Robin transformed pop. It's really um, good. So, it's really, yeah, really good. I'm very excited to get into it. Yeah, the, that. her piece is amazing. And um, I have heard some of the, the songs from the album that were kind of released before 
the full album was. Um, so I'm excited to hear it all. And maybe we'll hate it. Who knows? That would be exciting. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> that would be exciting. Yeah. Probably not, though, let's be honest. <laughs> I do like Robert. Right, yeah, so tune in next week for that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.